Uh, music, music really is part of the, the kind of feeling of Christmas, isn't it? And I imagine, I imagine in lots of ways you, you enjoyed the, the feeling of Christmas. I imagine many of you, or if not most of you, grew up like me, just loving, absolutely loving the feeling, uh, the feeling of Christmas. I was thinking about a friend of mine from way back uh, this past uh, couple of weeks, uh, a friend, Ruth, who told me that when she was younger, she would she would always get like, super excited about Christmas, the tree, the lights, the decorations, and especially uh, the big man in the red suit. And it seemed that, as she told me, as the years progressed, as she got older, the feeling didn't diminish in any way. If anything, it, it got more and more intense. She got more excited, uh, much to the frustration of her older sister, Sarah, who eventually one year uh, couldn't put up with it anymore, and she said, Ruth, for goodness sake, the man in the red suit, it's dad. She dropped that bombshell, at which point Ruth uh, looked at her and said, oh, our dad. It's our dad. Do other people know this? And every time I, I think about that, every time I think about that, I, I kind of, I love Ruth for that. Uh, and, and maybe as you hear it, you'd be somebody who'd say as well, oh, look, hold on to that feeling. Hold on to that feeling. And maybe you, you think that because you've got to the stage in life uh, where you, you realize look, the, the feeling's good, but you, you've got to the point where you think if you were to look inside the meaning box of Christmas, you, you see it was kind of empty. And there's not much meaning in it. I mean, uh, red-nosed reindeers uh, and chestnuts roasting by an open fire. They, they might give a nice kind of feeling at Christmas, but they don't seem to add much meaning, do they? Uh, they don't seem to add all that much meaning when you, you might be beginning to worry that it's Omicron that will really decide who you get to spend Christmas with this year. Uh, at times, they don't really seem to add that much meaning into things Maybe as you're still trying to process some of the news from the, the other week with that boat that sank in the English Channel. If you can bring yourself even for a moment, and I'm not suggesting you do, to imagine what it must have been like for those poor people as they knew the boat was sinking. Those kind of things don't seem to add much meaning at time when you're faced with those. Or it might be they don't seem to, to add much meaning. As you think back for yourself, reflect on your own life on the past year, 18 months, maybe some of the things you struggled with. Maybe some of the things you've done that you regret and you can't unpick now and you, you wonder how you, you're going to live with that. At times it doesn't feel like they, they add much meaning. Christmas with all its fluffy stuff doesn't add much meaning into that. But I don't know if you've noticed the way, the way the real Christmas, it, it keeps trying to nudge us in the direction of meaning. You hear it in some of those, those carols that we've had sung for us tonight. You, you hear it in, in some of those carols, those lines that say, Low in yonder manger lies he who built the starry skies. Or the other one that says, he came down to earth from heaven. Who is God and Lord of all? And even that last one that was just sung for us wonderfully, it has a line in it that seems to be trying to capture the purpose of Christmas. And it, it says this, a death's dark purpose put to flight. And you listen to those songs and, 
And you think there's no, there's no red noses in those, no chestnuts roasting. They seem to be dripping with meaning. The, the people that wrote those seem to think Christmas was a weighty kind of thing. And if you, if you were to wonder where they got those kind of ideas from, well, it's from uh, those songs are really just kind of echoes of much older promises that you, you find in the Bible, some of which we've had read for us tonight. Uh, that one that said, to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and he will be called Mighty God. Or, or that uh, other one that said, speaking about that same son, he will rule over his kingdom with justice and righteousness from this time on and forevermore. There's a thought, isn't there? You imagine for a moment living in a world where there is real justice for everyone forever. Well, that would be quite something. I don't know if you ever... Uh, wonder at times or if you you think about it why it is even as we get older maybe you're like me you're, you're well into middle age now but even as we get older we still kind of love the feeling of Christmas you, you know what I mean by that uh, we love that feeling of kind of wouldn't it be good wouldn't it be good if if we lived in a world where there there really was someone coming from the outside with genuine generous intentions towards us and with a gift that could make life happy. So wouldn't it be good to live in a world like that? And you wonder why even as we get kind of older, we, we still long for that feeling. We, we love that feeling. Why is that? And the Bible would say to us, uh, well, the, the kind of meaning behind that feeling is, is that's the world you were made for. That's the world that you and I were, were made for. In fact, it would even go a little bit further. It would say to us, that's the world that you and I still actually live in now. Because it says there is a God. And he does care. And he's not remained at a distance. He has actually come. Uh, one of the other Bible writers trying to, to sum up that kind of uh, feeling of Christmas, uh, trying to sum it up in some kind of way, that, that sense of, of coming and giving, he puts it this way. It's actually on, if you've got this little handout that, that we gave you, it's on the other side. If you want to look at it this way, uh, look at it with me. He, he puts it this way. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I've just got a couple of minutes now, but let me mention two things that, that Christmas means in this Christmas reflection. Here's the first thing. Christmas means you can really know what God is like. Uh, that's the first thing. Uh, that's what Christmas is saying. Uh, Christmas is saying to us, look, the one who was in himself, God, he, he took on a human nature. And he was born into the world as one of us, uh, Jesus Christ. It, born into the world uh, as one of us. Uh, that's what it's saying. He came and uh, That means from that point onwards, if you want to know what God is like, you, you don't need to speculate about him. You, you just need to look at him. This is saying, this isn't just God in a story that someone's imagined. This is God in history for you to look at. See how he relates to people, the, the rich and the poor, all sorts of people. 
But it also tells us that the right from the get-go, he came and he kind of unsettled all sorts of expectations. You know how it is if you're someone who, who lives and works in, in Cambridge, if you're someone who's trying to develop a career here, the way, the way you want your career to work is over the years as it progresses, you, you gain promotions, you, you move up, you, you maybe command a, a, an increased salary. That's the way you want things to work. Yeah, but Christmas, the way it's mentioned here, it confronts us with a God who, who took a pay cut at Christmas. Uh, that's what it's saying to us. Uh, this is a God who, who says he became poor. There was no financial gain for him at Christmas. And you see, even from his birth onwards, uh, there was no palace. There was no privilege for him. Uh, there was no conversation with Ophrah about uh, the birth of this royal baby. Uh, no, if you, you read the Christmas stories, you find this is... This is what he got. He, he, had a, he had a wooden manger, and eventually in Bethlehem, he had a, a borrowed home. That's what he got. He, he became poor. And you might hear all of that, and you think, well, uh, well okay, that, that's a good kind of Christmas story. But it doesn't seem to have done very much for the injustice in the world. It, it doesn't really seem to put death, dark shadows to flight. In fact, you, you might even think as you hear all of that, well, uh, look, uh, wasn't this God, if he was God, wasn't he just acting poor for a little while? Isn't this what we said goes on at Christmas? It, it's just all feeling with no real meaning behind it. Look, I can understand if you would feel that way at all, but let me say, I think that would be, that would actually be to miss the, the logic of Christmas. And there is really a logic to Christmas. And in some ways, it is the logic that you and I will follow ourselves over the next few weeks. You know how it goes. If you want to invite people to be with you for Christmas and to enjoy it with you, you've got to get things ready. There's, there's preparation. And then the enjoyment. Have you ordered your turkey yet? You've done those kind of things. You've got those jobs ticked off. Or, or maybe, maybe for you this year, you're going to have your first vegan Christmas. I was checking out some recipes on the BBC website. I saw a, a cranberry and lentil Christmas bake. It looked quite good. It got some good reviews. Maybe you're thinking about something like that. But you know the way it works. The next few weeks, as you, as you head towards Christmas, you're going to have to do all sorts of preparations. It, it is kind of like this. You, you're going to have to live Christmas for a while. You, you're going to have to pour yourself into Christmas. In some ways, you will have to spend yourself for Christmas. It's preparation and then enjoyment. And actually, it's the same with God. Let me, for a moment, just try and explain some of the, the logic of Christmas, as it were. Like God being God, if he wanted to just get rid of all the kind of injustice of the world, he could certainly do that. He's got the power. He could enact, if you like, the biggest cancel culture operation that the world has ever seen. He, he could do that. But then you, you kind of think to yourself for a while, what, what exactly... Would he have to cancel? Maybe your mind will go to some of the things over the past 18 months or so or two years. 
You think of the stories of, of during lockdown, even in this country, the stats said that domestic abuse really increased tragically. And maybe you think back to something much smaller, like our, our kind of mini fuel crisis that we had. Do you remember that? And what we discovered is that people can't even queue together for very long without getting angry and cross with each other. We can't even manage that. Or maybe COP26 is still in your mind. You go to something that's much more global. You think about climate injustice. Wealthy Western countries with their economic advantages disadvantaging poorer countries. And maybe you think about those things and you, you think, why, why doesn't God sort out all of that injustice? Why doesn't he just sort of cancel those kind of things? I mean, sometimes you look at the world, don't you? And you think, what is wrong with the world? And it's not a bad question to ask. In fact, it's actually uh, the question, that I think it was the Times newspaper, it asked years and years ago, it posed that question to its readers. It just asked, what is the problem with the world? And it invited readers to, to write in answers to it. And it was G.K. Chesterton, uh, the Catholic thinker and writer, who famously wrote in with this reply. I think it went something like this. Dear sirs, in, in answer to your question, uh, what is wrong with the world? I am. Sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton, just like that. And you kind of know what he's saying, don't you? He's not saying there's not problems out there. Of course, there's huge problems that we must try and fix. We must try and attend to those. But he was saying as well, you don't really need to go that far before you find injustice. You don't even need to leave yourself before you find kind of cruelty and selfishness and greed. And then you begin to think if... If God were to cancel all the injustice in the world, he would need to cancel me as well. I would need to be under his judgment forever. But the logic of Christmas says this, God has, has come into the world to do something about that. Uh, in these verses here, it kind of puts it in financial terms. It, it says, yet he became poor so that you through his poverty it might become rich. If you like it, it's kind of this way, that, that wooden manger and that borrowed house, it eventually became a, a wooden cross and a borrowed tomb. And the one who was God himself was hung up on a cross and he was canceled. And so that others wouldn't need to be. And Jesus, when he, he died on the cross, he was, he was bearing the penalty for the sin of the whole world. So that when God does come to fix this world up, he will have provided a way so that people forgiven and changed can be welcomed into it to enjoy it. Now, Christmas is, is preparation before the enjoyment. Or, or if you want to put it in the kind of words we've been thinking about, the themes from this verse, Jesus Christ, he, he came and he, he lived Christmas. He poured himself into Christmas. He spent himself in the most complete way for Christmas. 
he made himself poor. And that's why the Bible says, if you want to know what God's like, you, you look at Jesus and what you'll discover is grace. That God acts. God acts with undeserved kindness towards the world that he's made. Now, Christmas means that you can know what God's like. But perhaps even more importantly than that, and, and a little bit more briefly, here's the second thing. Christmas means you can actually have what God offers. I don't know what you, you feel or what you, you think about when you hear all this kind of talk about Christmas. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're kind of sitting here thinking, oh, for heaven's sake. And I can understand that feeling. You've come to enjoy the music. But I'd love just to, to press on you one more time uh, from, from what we've read and heard tonight that uh, the Bible would be saying, look, whatever Christmas is, it, it really wasn't just for heaven's sake. No, that couldn't have been further from the truth because this says here, God says, no, it was for your sake. Christmas is personal. Uh, Christmas says that God has come in Jesus and made us an offer uh, for your sake. Back in 2004, uh, Robert Howes, he was a, a lifeguard uh, on the New Zealand coast, and he was off swimming. I think it was a day off. He was, he was off swimming uh, quite far uh, off the coast. I think they were snorkeling. There was two colleagues uh, who were also lifeguards and his, his teenage daughter, and they were off snorkeling and swimming when suddenly the report goes that they gave us a pod of dolphins. Can you imagine that? A pod of dolphins came and began to circle around them, swimming around them. Can you imagine that? Often... Well, I'm imagining the warm, water, warm waters. I don't know if they were, but I'm imagining it would be still warm waters off the coast of New Zealand. They're snorkeling there, and a pod of dolphins comes in and swims round them. It went on for about 40 minutes. It just sounds like a, a completely magical experience. It got a bit annoying after a while because the, the dolphins started to nudge them, almost like they were trying to nudge them back towards the shore. They didn't really want to go that way. But then Robert Howes understood why, because there was, a, for a moment, a gap in the dolphins. And through that gap, he saw a three-meter great white shark that had come in. And he understood straight away what had happened. That the shark was coming for them, and the dolphins had seen it and come and swam around these people to protect them and, and nudge them towards the shore. And what seemed like... A magical experience was actually much, much more than that. It was actually a rescue. At Christmas is a magical time, isn't it? The tree, the lights, all the kind of stuff that goes on with it. You feel that. But from time to time, you feel that Christmas keeps nudging you in a slightly different direction. And it's easy to be a little bit annoyed with that. But look, if you want to know why, here's the, the meaning behind that feeling. And it's this, that, that Christmas was a rescue. That God came in Jesus Christ to, to offer you and me a rescue. If you'll accept it. I two things that Christmas means. Christmas means... You really can know what God's like. 
And more importantly, Christmas means that you can have what God offers.